Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Brooke. Uh, morning, everyone. Good to be here together. So my name's Graham. I'm one of the ministers here. Um, if you don't know me, if you're visiting with us today, great to have you here. I hope you feel welcome and, um, and comfortable. Well, are you someone who prays? Good. You know, in fact, they, they say that uh, prayer is one of the most natural things that we humans do. And, and I guess we know that. If you're a Christian person, we know that because the Bible says we've been created into the image of a relational God, a Father, Son and the Holy Spirit. Prayer feels a bit like it's wired into our DNA. So we cry out to God. Uh, we, we, we pray. We speak to God. Almost everyone prays. Um, almost everyone cries out to God at some point. I was reading a an account of a British Royal Navy chaplain from World War II, a guy called Maurice Wood, who discovered that no matter who you were, you cried out to God for protection, whatever the religious background. So he said, speaking of the context of the D-Day landings in France, he said there were suddenly no atheists among soldiers or crew, for everyone was praying. Prayer's natural because we're designed for it by the one who created us. Problem is, though, prayer also feels unnatural. That's because the Bible tells us that our relationship with God has been corrupted by sin. You know, that, that's our rebellion against God. That's, that's basically a lack of trust. And at the heart of prayer is trust. It's what it boils down to, trust. So this means sometimes that prayer is a real struggle. I'd be surprised to find anyone in this room who's a follower of Jesus who hasn't struggled with prayer at some point or another. If you find prayer difficult, you're not alone. And the good news is there's help. Now, there's heaps of good books on prayer. I'm going to recommend a few over the next few weeks. And uh, there's also plenty of not-so-good books on prayer. I won't be recommending those ones. So a good book on prayer may help you with this struggle that we all sort of have from time to time. And hey, let's face it, sometimes a good dose of guilt, that also makes us pray, doesn't it? You know, uh, kick us into gear. But that's not really Jesus' style, as we'll see. I used to have a note written in bold, uh, a stick-it note, which has ended up being fairly permanent, uh, a stick-it note on my computer screen that said in big, bold letters, have you prayed? It's amazing how many times that made me pray. Even as I prepared this sermon, as I read over this a few times, have you prayed? Ah, no, I haven't. Let's pray. We're going to pray in a minute. So there are lots of reasons why we don't pray. When Jesus was asked by his disciples, Lord, teach us to pray, in, in Luke 11, verse 1, he didn't rebuke them or embarrass them, and he didn't send them on a guilt trip. What did he do? Oh, he taught them this prayer. That's what he did. Lord, teach us to pray. And he taught them this prayer. That's all. He didn't send them off to Kurong to get the latest books. He didn't do that either. He didn't talk about techniques or positions. He taught them this prayer. This prayer. Jesus said, this then is how you should pray. Here's what you need. Here are the essentials. Here's the fundamentals. There's a story um, of the legendary golfer Jack Nicholas, who would return, to, return each year to his uh, golfing coach and ask him this question. He'd ask him, 
teach me again how to play golf every year. He knew that he needed to return to the, the essentials. He needed to return to the fundamentals of the game to try and master them so he could carry on playing the standard of golf that he played. Exceptional. Friends, in the same way, that's, there are some basic principles. There are the essentials of prayer that we need to keep on going back to. Like Jesus' disciples, we must go back to the Lord's Prayer and ask Jesus, Lord, teach me again how to pray. Are you ready for that? Hope so. Uh, we all need that lesson, I think. And that's what we're going to do over the next sort of six or eight weeks. Oh, it's about seven weeks now. See, I reckon there's, um, there's three, uh, three reasons, and I'll just go through this very quickly before we get into it. Three reasons why this prayer is uniquely helpful for us today. One, this prayer was given to us by the Lord of Prayer. Friends, Jesus prayed, and Jesus prayed a lot. Prayed a lot. He's the ultimate prayer coach. Second, the Lord's Prayer is flexible. And as we'll see, this prayer has so many applications for daily use. One writer said it's, flex it's a flexible outline to adapt to different situations. That's what we'll see. It's not a mindless mantra. Let's make sure we're careful when we pray it. It's not that. Because it gives our prayer shape. That's what it was meant to do. And that's our third reason to study it too. It stops us from babbling on. You notice that Jesus taught this prayer in the context of telling the hypocrites not to babble on and stand on the street corners and pray and be seen. That's why he uh, teaches them this prayer. And third, this prayer gives shape to our lives. This prayer gives us an extraordinary summary of the impact of the gospel on our daily lives. Worth studying? Yes. Yes, it is, I hear you say. Good. Excellent. All right, so let's pray now and ask God to help us to pray. Should we do that? Father, thank you that you've given us this prayer. Uh, thank you, God, that you speak to us, and thank you, God, that you listen to us. Lord, we pray that you would help us over these next uh, seven or so weeks. Help us to be people that pray, people that trust in you. In Jesus' name, amen. So as I said, we're going to break this series into eight talks, eight phrases, um, I'll be praying and continue to pray that you won't miss a Sunday, uh, that by the power of God's spirit working in us, as we respond to his word, we would be followers of Jesus who would pray more and more. So today we begin, and by the way, I've got a, if you want to, I've got most passages up on the screen. Uh, if you want to have your Bible open, probably Romans 8 is the one to have open in front of you, but, um, or Matthew 6. Uh, there, there's a gap for sermon notes, so I've got some headings up there. You might want to scribble some things down in your bulletin. Um, please do that. Okay. Well, so today we begin with these. They are mind-blowing words from Jesus. When you pray, say, Our Father in heaven. Uh, Winston Churchill once famous, famously, uh, was once, I should say, famously reprimanded with these words. Winston, if you were my husband, I should flavour your coffee with poison. He then replied with his famous lightning wit, Madam, if I were your husband, I should drink it. <laughs> <laughs> now, you know, if, we, if, um, if that type of language is used between strangers, we'd probably, we'd probably think they're being a bit rude, wouldn't we? But actually, they... The truth is it was friendly banter between Churchill and an old friend of his, uh, Lady Astor. I don't really know much about her. Um, 
You see, that the way we speak to someone depends on our relationship with them. There's only one person I call honey. It's my wife, by the way. Um, and perhaps, kids, if you're listening, your mum and dad have cute little nicknames you over here at home. You can share them with the rest of the church in a few moments' time. Um, <laughs> just kidding. It's okay, parents. A heartbeat then, didn't it? Um, see, the way we speak to someone depends on our relationship with them, and so it is with prayer. Think for a moment about how different religions pray. So the way, we, the way they pray depends on how they picture the God they're praying to. Isn't that right? So Muslims repeat ritual prayers five times a day to a, to a distant God, an unmoved mover. Buddhists meditate silently in their own inner being. Uh, Jewish prayers from the Siddur must be repeated three times a day and word for word. The Roman Catholics recite the Hail Mary using rosary beads. But Jesus began, his, began by saying, when you pray, say, our Father in heaven. These words which clarify, they're words, you see, which clarify the relationship in which Christians pray to God through Jesus Christ. Jesus tells us to begin our prayers by addressing the transcendent creator, the omnipotent ruler, the terrifying judge of the cosmos as father. That's extraordinary, isn't it? It's mind-blowing. Now, in the Aramaic which Jesus spoke... It's actually Abba Father. Abba Father, and it comes up in our Romans 8 reading, doesn't it? It was a term of respectful intimacy used in Jewish families. And it really, I guess it, it's difficult, but it translates most clearly, I think, to dad. That works. In our culture, uh, daddy doesn't quite have the respectful tone, but as you can tell in the tone of my voice, it's a little unclear. Translating from an ancient language to a modern language, it's so uh, culturally laden. And so we have to be a bit careful using those terms. But anyway, you see, Jesus could have begun his prayer by, by saying, our creator, our creator in heaven. Could have done that. He could have started with our sovereign, or he could have started his prayer by saying, our judge in heaven. But he doesn't, does he? He starts by saying, our father. And friends, this little opening phrase contains all the motivation we need to pray. You want, to know how to, you want to know how to grow in your prayer life? It's not, about tech, it's not about better technique. It's actually about better theology. That means knowing God. It's, it's not in attending classes in how to pray. It's who we pray to. It's not in meeting the prayer warriors of history, but meeting our Father in heaven. You see, I reckon when we grasp this little phrase, it transforms prayer from a duty to joy, from pointless burden to daily delight. So we need to know what it means to call God our Father in heaven. And to do that, let's start with Jesus, who, of course, is the original son. Jesus had three reasons, I think, to call God Father in his own, um, uh, in his own prayers. The first goes right back to the Exodus. In the Exodus, Israel, as they were redeemed from slavery in Egypt, rescued out of Egypt, uh, into this inheritance which was Canaan, the promised land. Israel was called, it's in Exodus 20, uh, 4 verse 22, Israel was called God's firstborn son. God gave them birth, uh, God says, as his children in Deuteronomy 32. 
And in Isaiah 63, Israel were given the privilege of calling God our Father. But when Israel rebelled against God, as we read through the Old Testament, like any father grieves over a rebelling child, so did God. But Jesus came as the perfect, sinless Israelite, entitled to call God Father. Now, second reason why Jesus called God Father in his own prayers is the Christ or the Messiah was called God's Son. Uh, was called God's Son, and God says about this Messiah to come in two Samuel seven, "I will be his Father, and he will be my Son." The same thing is said at Jesus' baptism. And third, as John chapter 1 teaches, Jesus was eternally God the Son. So it should come as no surprise to find Jesus consistently addressing his prayers to Abba Father. In fact, in John 17, Jesus addresses, he prays to Abba Father. He prays five times in that prayer in John 17. Now, now you see, we can begin to see what a privilege it is for us to call God Father. We're invited to pray as Jesus did. So Christians are invited to call God Father. But you and I are not naturally God's children. Truth is, yeah, because of our sin, that rebellion against God, we are naturally objects of wrath. That's what Ephesians 2 says. But by God's amazing grace, Christians are reborn by the Spirit of God through the Word of God and then adopted into God's family. So one John, sorry, John 1 verse 12, let me put it up there on the screen. It says, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Or Galatians 4, God sent his son so that we might receive the full rights of sons. Now, the, the process of adoption in Jesus' day was very well known. It's a fairly common practice, and in fact, just like today, most of us understand how, that sort of, how it works. We've probably got a family member or a friend who might have adopted a child. So in first century Palestine, this is sort of how it worked. Uh, a wealthy family, a uh, wealthy but childless family, might adopt a slave to carry on the family name. Now, the, the slave was welcomed into the family as a new person. They were even given a new name. Uh, Cancelling all previous debts and giving them the right to inherit the estate. The same is true for followers of Jesus and much more. The Bible tells us Christians have the same spirit. The word is indwelling in us. We have the same spirit that indwells in Jesus. And that spirit unites us to Christ so that we may share all that he has accomplished for us. So we're justified in Christ. Remember what justified means? It means we're righteous, right in God's eyes. He sees us as perfect, sees us like Jesus, just as if we've never sinned. We're justified in Christ. And we're also adopted into Christ's family, into God's family. And that is we're accepted into God's family to share all the privileges. We share in the estate, (laughs) if you like. And the Holy Spirit continues to work in us to apply to our daily experience our new status in Christ so that we become more and more, like, more and more like him and learn to pray like him too. That's what the Spirit does in us. Romans 8, 
15 and 16 says, The spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. Friends, um, there is a truckload. That's probably an understatement. There's a truckload of benefits <laughs> to be called child of God. If Jesus is your father, God is your father in heaven, and you pray that prayer, I want to remind you over the next couple of minutes of all the good things it is to know God as your father in heaven. Okay, you ready for these? I could go on for a long time, but I thought we can't, I can't preach for two hours. I'm just going to say this for a few minutes of this bit. All right, so here's the first one. Just a little bit of research. See, as, as a child of God, we enjoy the tender love of God. Look at Psalm 103, verse 3. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. See, in, in his love, God provides for our daily needs. He gives us good things. He forgives us. He protects us. He, he discipline, disciplines us as well. He has compassion on us. Next one. We enjoy the comfort of the family of God as we devote ourselves to one another. And the verse is in brotherly love, but really just change that to in family love, if you like. It's the same idea. So just as a good family will come running when any of the kids need help, that's true, isn't it? So often when we cry out in our distress, God doesn't always remove that suffering from us. He might. But what happens instead, we're surrounded by God's family to help us and strengthen us. That's a, a wonderful benefit, isn't it, of being a child of God? When we're in distress, we're surrounded by God's family. How about another benefit? We enjoy the inheritance in the home of God. Back to Romans 8. Now, if we are children, we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, verse 17 says. So just as good parents will try to ensure a secure future for their children, so our Father has prepared the most exciting future imaginable for us with him. The Bible calls that a new creation, new heavens and a new earth, heaven paradise it's forever it's eternal god's prepared that for us as a as as a child of god it's a real and certain hope that can never perish spoil or fade let's go for one more maybe you've got a couple if you've got some more share with someone over morning tea won't you we enjoy the constant attention of god think about that for a moment hard to fathom isn't it really really the constant attention of God. What, right now? Yeah, right now. Isn't that incredible? It's hard to fathom, but it's true. Psalm 34, verse 17 says, The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them. As any decent parent will hear and respond immediately to one of their children in distress, so God listens intently to our prayers. Whatever the time... Whatever the place, God's listening. He doesn't go on holiday. He doesn't do that. Uh, he, he, he doesn't turn the phone off and have a break. He never sleeps. I've got a friend whose daughter is on one of those um, overseas exchange programs. She's a, a year 11 student and she's spending, I think, it's around six months, might be a little bit more, um, over in France. It sounds quite idyllic, actually. It's in rural France, and she sends pictures on Facebook now and then. And 
you just think, oh, that, that does look quite nice, doesn't it? There you go. That's what she's doing. Long way from home, of course. Although I must admit, you know, as a Year 11 student, six months away from your parents for that long, that, that, that parent, that, those kids might be quite attracted by that. Anyway, um, so there's lots of ways these days for, uh, for her to keep in touch with mum and dad, aren't there? There's all the social media side of things, um, but there's also Skype, FaceTime, but there's the humble text message too. They can just send a text and there it is. But boy, boy, doesn't, uh, don't they love it? Don't mum and dad love it? When they get a call on the phone. <laughs> when they get a call on the phone. Although I think, uh, my friend was telling me, when her name comes up on the phone, their first thought is, what's gone wrong? Uh, <laughs> But don't they love it to receive a call on the phone? Our Heavenly Father loves to hear from us in prayer. But not for his benefit, but ours. Because he loves us. I'll tell you how it must grieve our Father in heaven, who gave his one and only Son, Jesus, to die a brutal death so that we could be adopted as his children. How it must grieve our Father to find us so reluctant to pray. Must, mustn't it? Well, let's make three quick final observations about this little but so important phrase at the start of this prayer. Well, the first one is, we say our Father to remember the rest of the family of God. God our, Father, God our Father belongs to us. You notice it's not the Father, he's our Father. He's given us the right to speak to him whenever we need him. But more important, this word is plural to remind us to pray for others in the family of God as well as ourselves. You'll notice that there's no I or me in the prayer. Today uh, you'll find them on the back door as you walk out on the left where we put those most recent flyers and things. Uh, today our term for Robo Daily Life comes out and so in our Robo Daily Life um, there's you know, important dates and that sort of thing as well and uh, of regular events and so on but there's also a week by week, uh, there's the Bible readings, but there's also a week by week uh, list of, of church people to pray for. And so this week, we're sort of the A's go through to the, the B's. And then next week, the, looks like there's still B's, and then we go to the C's and so on. Uh, if your name's not here and you grab one of them, by the way, it means you haven't put in a little comment card um, telling us that, giving us your information and putting your name on the database and so on. So please do that. If you've joined us and you're new... Tear out the comment card on the, on the back of the bulletin, put in the white box saying comment cards in the back there and we'll make sure that you're on this and we'll pray for you. Friends, do that, won't you? Grab one, make it your habit to pray for those people. And you also know that, so I know that, you know, it's pretty cool really. Where am I? I think I'm, I'm tipping about week six or seven. So Thomas, oh, there I am, week eight. Oh, okay. Um, I know that in week eight, so early December, that I know there's going to be people praying for me. That's pretty cool. I like that. I like to know that. And you know, so for example, so the Austins, Brooke, where's, where's Brooke? Where are you, Brooke, there you are. Brooke, I'm going to pray for you this week, okay? Um, and I'm going to pray for your parents too, funny enough. Funny enough. <laughs> Avery's. Anyway, and, and, and so we go on, the Banbury's, and, and, and it goes on. Um, 
why not ask those guys uh, what we can pray for them? Uh, send them a text if you like, or just ask them at church. The Lord's Prayer encourages us to put aside any selfish tendencies we might have and pray for others in our new family. How about this one? What we, we say in heaven to remind us how great our Father is. Now, not that he's some distant out there, distant God. That's really important. He's not, is he? He knows us personally and wants, and wants us to know him personally and speak to him. But to help us remember that he is immeasurably greater than we are. All-knowing, all-powerful, ever-present, immortal, unchanging, supreme Lord of all. And which calls us to be humble and not disrespectful in our prayers. Now, now don't get me wrong, I'm an art about this and I'm here, am I going to say it? But um, we miss something, I think, when we don't kneel anymore for our prayers. Now, don't all have a go at me, it's okay, it's not a battle I'm willing to die on or a heel I'm willing to die on. But we just miss a little bit, maybe. Because when we kneel, I suppose, we're, we're acknowledging how great God is and how small we are and how humble we need to come to him. Maybe we need to find something that's... When your prayers, make sure you find something that reminds you not to be disrespectful in your prayers but humble in your prayers. Anyway, not a hill I'm willing to die on, don't worry. Uh, you see, saying in heaven also reminds us of God's holiness. God is good with his power. There's a movie coming out called The Boys. Now, I want to say straight up, I don't recommend it. Um, it looks really dodgy in some ways. Um, but the premise of the movie is that it's, it's about superheroes whose power have, has gone to their heads, and it looks a bit funny at some points, whose power has gone to their heads and they've been corrupted by power. Now, of course, you don't need to be a superhero for that to happen. There's plenty of world leaders who have been corrupted by power, only recently we, um, oh, it's fair to say, the world celebrated the death of Robert Mugabe, the Zimbabwean dictator, whose power went to his head. Although some mourned, there were people who mourned as well. Uh, thankfully, we pray to an almighty father who is incorruptible. He is absolutely powerful and absolutely good. Friends, as we close, this is especially good for those of us to hear who have had negative experiences of human fatherhood. Many people have not known their earthly father. He may have died or deserted them years ago. And other fathers are guilty of terrible things, abuse and so forth, leaving their children unable to even imagine what a loving father really looks like. But the good news is we don't have to project the images of our deeply flawed earthly fathers onto our perfect heavenly father. We're not called to do that. In fact, it's actually quite the opposite. Fathers who, fathers, you see, we, we, ought to, we ought to model ourselves on our heavenly father. God is the one who defines human fatherhood. He made it. And he's far, he's far greater than, than even the best human father that we've ever known. So those of us who lack or have suffered under a human father can find in our heavenly father a loving dad that we long for. Hey, perhaps even um, you'll appreciate him even more than the rest of us. Who knows? Well, friends, um, let's tie a few things together. Uh, so who's the... 
Who's the penny pincher in your family? Have you got one of those? You know, he's a bit stingy. Don't, don't look at the person now. Although a lot of you are, actually. Um, <laughs> see, in our family, Michelle's in the cry room. She probably can't hear me. I can talk freely. Um, see, in our family, it's definitely Michelle. Definitely Michelle. Although I'm incredibly thankful for that. It's, it saves us a lot of money, as it turns out. Um, I'm the yes parent. I'm the party parent, you know? <laughs> yes, dear, of course you can have $200 to spend on drunk food. Why do you even ask? Just go and take it. No, that's not quite true. See, I'm sure when the kids get together for their secret strategy meetings, um, <laughs> the, uh, they get together and the older ones say to the younger ones, have you asked Dad? Have you asked Dad? Now, OK, it's a bit of silliness. Um, but you see, it reminds us of something that is true. Our, our older brother, the Lord Jesus, who has known the Father for all eternity is telling us from his own personal experience how to face life's challenges. He says, have you asked Dad? Have you asked Dad? Or to put in his original words, this is how you should pray, our Father in heaven. We're going to pray now, and I'm going to pray a prayer uh, that I hope exemplifies, demonstrates how we might use this little phrase in our personal prayers. So if you agree at the end, say amen with me. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, Father, dear heavenly dad, thank you for adopting me. Thank you for sending Jesus so I could become your child and heir. Thank you for your love and your spirit and your family and your inheritance. Thank you for your attention. Thank you for caring, for rewarding, understanding and giving me good gifts. I'm sorry that I'm not much good at praying. Please help me to trust you more and get better. Thank you for belonging to us forever. Thank you for my church family. We pray for Kim and Luke and Zoe and Angus and baby Fletcher, who's here today. Uh, keep them safe and growing well. We pray for Fern as she's getting ready to have her baby. We pray for Dorothy, still recovering from shoulder surgery. We pray for our weekend away coming up and the Christianity Explored course. We pray that lots of people can come to both. Thank you, Father, that you are awesome and amazing. Lord, I know that you can do anything and are absolutely powerful and absolutely good. Please help me to worship you at work, at home, at school, wherever. Thank you that you are good and holy, so please help me to be holy in the way I treat others, especially those who rub me up the wrong way, those I find difficult to love. Thank you, Father. Amen. That's how you might want to pray as well. Um, who knows? Friends, if you're a visitor with us today or, or, um, or join us recently, what we tend to do, and I didn't give you warning at the start, I'm sorry about that, is that we, um, uh, we have a time to ask a question, get a bit of clarification from me, um, make a comment, a word of